Hey everyone, it's Eddie Kalegi reminding you that each and every episode of Sportspeak is powered by SeatGeek. SeatGeek is a one-stop shop for tickets to concerts, sporting events, and so much more. And now you can use the promo code SPORTSPEAK on the site to get $20 off your first purchase. So what are you waiting for? SeatGeek, let there be live. And now on to the show. Welcome back to Sportspeak Live. It's episode 157, powered by SeatGeek. Promo code SPORTSPEAK, all caps, one word, $20 off your first purchase. I'm Eddie Kalegi. It's been a while. Last episode we did was our first Ball Nowhere Showdown trivia show. Congrats to Alec and Adam on winning that. There will definitely be more of that in the future. It's been a busy last few weeks for me and Tim, but we're back and we're going to have a few episodes coming along the way. Later this week, uh, me, Tim, and Zoe are going to be chatting about Major League Baseball free agency, Shohei Otani signing with the Dodgers, the NBA in-season tournament. But this episode's a football focus. We're going to be joined by Ethan Hoffman to talk a little college football, but we'll start with the NFL first and uh, week 14's in the books and my Philadelphia Eagles have now dropped back-to-back games. They sit at 10-3. and three. They just lost to the Cowboys. Every year in Jerry World, that one game is like the bane of my <laughs> existence. But I'm not that frustrated at this point. They still had this crazy five-game stretch and managed to go 3-2. and two. And now these next four games, you got Seattle, the Giants twice, and Arizona. And Seattle didn't have Geno Smith last time, and Kenneth Walker's been banged up. So... I think the Eagles have a chance to kind of get right and figure things out before the playoffs. All hope is not lost, but last two games pretty deflating. Those three fumbles last night, all costly. And it was all for big players, Hurts, Brown, and Smitty. Um, But the Cowboys finding a way, and they're in a good spot right now. They are 10-3. and Hoffman, is this the year the Cowboys finally break the curse and make it to a conference championship? They might be legit. Like, this is probably the best Cowboys team in a long time right Dak is playing at a high level I think about a couple years after the ankle injury he was kind of iffy there he's fully back I mean last night what two touchdowns 270 yards averaging about seven yards of play and he's running too like that's something we really didn't see a couple the last couple years but he's kind of tapping back into what he was like pre-ankle injury rushing the football yeah he's he's really I think cemented himself as an MVP candidate, especially with the way he's played the last few weeks. Now, I think the MVP candidate, honestly. I think Lamar is close because he doesn't have that many weapons there. He's got more than past years, but I think Lamar Jackson's made a case for himself. But the one thing I think is interesting now, they're both 10 and 3, but the Cowboys do have a tough schedule to finish out. They got to still play, I believe, Detroit. They've got um, Miami still on that schedule. They have a Buffalo couple of. Week. Yeah, Buffalo too. So. It's not a cakewalk by any standard for the Cowboys. Looking at those last four games, Hoffman, they're 10-3 right now. Where do you think they're going to end up finishing out? I could see them beating Buffalo, right? Buffalo, they've kind of been not the best this year. Miami, Miami usually struggles against good teams. So that's two wins there. So that's, what, 12-3. and The Lions have kind of been falling off ever since that Thanksgiving beatdown. They just haven't looked like the same team. And then they have... The commanders the last week of the season, they might win the next four. They might go 14 and three first round by. Yeah, they definitely have a chance. And the crazy thing, too, if the Cowboys win out, there's still a chance they end up with the five seed, even though they just beat the Eagles, because the Eagles could finish out with a better divisional record if they win out. 
and their mm. schedule is more manageable than the Cowboys. And Dallas could seriously end up being a 14 and three five seed and probably end up playing on the road against an eight and nine NFC South champion because it seems like <laughs> nobody wants to win the division. Um, but the Cowboys are definitely got to give credit where credit is due. Dak Prescott's playing at an elite level right now, as is that defense. CeeDee Lamb's having a great year. Tony Pollard is the number one back has worked just fine. And they've gotten compliments from Dowdle and Deuce Vaughn and all in all Dallas is in a great spot. Now, Let's talk about the other big game from yesterday. Kansas City and Buffalo and Patrick Mahomes has a diva moment at the end of that game. And the the worst thing is that video where he's talking to Josh Allen post game yeah. and he's still complaining about it and then he's complaining to nobody. But hurt. Yes. Like you don't see that at a pro athletes. That's something you see out of like fans. That's something that's like a Twitter comment. That's not something you expect your quarterback to be saying to his you know someone he's playing against. It's it's crazy. It's ridiculous. And, you know, you've already got all the distractions with Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift going on. And then now you got this. And does he not realize how many games the refs have kind of gifted or favored him in the last year? This season, that game against the Jets, they should have lost multiple yeah. times. It just not even this season, the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Like he's saying you can't be calling ticky tack calls that late into the game. Well, that just negates the whole Super Bowl last year because the whole deal that they lost, they won that game because of a ticky-tacky call at the very end. Yep, yep, the James Bradbury flag and then the Jets, the whole defensive holding when they picked off Mahomes at the end of that game. I know things have not gone his way when it's come to the officiating the last two weeks. Last week, the Packers game, the officials just were bad on both yep. sides. There were ridiculous calls in that game. But Kadarius Tony was very clearly offside. <laughs> and I don't care how cool that play was. He's offsides. And I mean, you can't have a receiver lining up that forward in that series of a situation. And it's crazy to think Kansas City, I think they're eight and five right now. If it wasn't for Kadarius Tony and Marcus Valdez Scantling, they'd probably be 11 and two. There are yeah. three, it, there are three games that have been settled by one play, and they, they mm -hmm. could easily be 11 and two right now. They just can't, they can't make a play. They, yeah. they refuse to. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't know. Because I still feel optimistic because the AFC is just such a mess right now that Kansas City could mm -hmm. be a favorite to still come out of there. But I don't know. It, it's really tough because now Buffalo wins. Buffalo's still in the 11th because of that log jam with all the seven and six teams. I, I, I don't really see a favorite right now because I still have questions about Miami against good teams. The Ravens right now are really healthy, but they barely beat the Rams. The yeah. Bengals don't have Joe Burrow. The Bills have been a mess this year. Chargers just last lost Justin Herbert. The Broncos are still the Broncos. And then you got the Browns and Steelers, and neither one really has a quarterback situation figured out. Yeah. So, And Trevor Lawrence is on like half an ankle right now. So there's yeah. like no team to me that sticks out. Is there any to you that you think can rise above here in the AFC? I don't know, because you look Baltimore. They don't win convincingly. Like, they the only way they win they have to win by something crazy happening like the punt return uh, yesterday they 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 just refuse to win convincingly Miami can't beat a good team and then Kansas City then nobody can catch the ball like maybe Jacksonville because Lawrence didn't look that banged up but he looked bad I mean those interceptions were were rough I mean each each one was what a massive massive overthrow by about yes. ten yards to the corner mm -hmm. like. I don't know. Honestly, I would say Houston if it wasn't for Tank Dell and Nico Collins getting banged up in the last two weeks. I don't think anybody is. I think all these teams are not bad, but not 
to the quality of the NFC looks right now. And that's the crazy thing, too, because going into this year, everybody thought the NFC was going to be the bad conference, right? Because the <laughs> AFC had all these elite mm-hmm. quarterbacks. Well, half of them have gotten hurt. There are other ones that are just not playing at a high level. Then you got Mahomes, who doesn't have any receivers. So it's like the NFC only has four really good teams, but they're more the top heavy than the teams. AFC. Those four are better than the four <laughs> best AFC teams, I think, by a lot right now. So I still think Kansas City and Baltimore are probably the two favorites to me in the AFC, unless Miami can put things together, that offense could be dangerous in the playoffs. But uh, it's going to be really interesting to see over the next four weeks. And I think it's also going to be interesting to see how Buffalo finishes out here because I think they're still a dangerous group. They can go on a run and get into the playoffs, but they're seven and six and they have to jump a lot of teams. And while they're tied with them, they are pretty much last in all of the AFC tiebreakers because yeah. they've done so bad in conference and they had some ridiculous losses in October. So <laughs> they've they've got a lot of work to do. Um, one team that's currently in the AFC picture that you root for is the Cleveland Browns, who uh, all of a sudden have found 37-year-old Joe Flacco and lightning yeah. in the bottle, and he's had two great games in a row, and they're sitting there pretty firmly in a playoff spot, eight and five, a game ahead of that whole mess, and they've won games now with four different quarterbacks this season. This kind of reminds me, do you remember about – I think it was two years ago when the Niners started really bad. I think they were one and seven. They were really banged up, and they lost everybody. That's what this team reminds me of. I think they ended up going to the – they might have went to the conference championship that year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everybody's hurt. Watson's out. Chubb's out. Garrett is banged up. Garrett, I think, had, what, one sack yesterday? Not the same production that we've been seeing. And then the weapons that they do have are not the most reliable. David Ajoku, he'll have one good game, and then the next four games he can't catch. And then you have Elijah Moore, who's not the best, right? Amari Cooper's been banged up. He's had a concussion and I think an elbow injury the last couple weeks. It's it's a weird team. Like Flacco, he'll play well. He'll have a good series. And then he'll throw the most bizarre interception. Like that pick against uh, this past game, that was the weirdest interception I've seen in my life. It, I thought he actually thought he was playing for the Jaguars. I mean, he straight up looked at Cooper saw he wasn't open and still threw it that way straight to the DB. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a reason Joe Flacco's only like experience <laughs> starting has been with the jets in the last five years, but you know, he had, he has, he has put up numbers, which for a team that's lost their starter that they're paying a bunch of money to and their backup who seemed, who looked so good in the preseason hasn't really been that. And then you got XFL PJ Walker out there you know, the, to find oh somebody God. else that can put up numbers is pretty good. Yeah, uh, P.J. Walker, dude, like, he's bad. He's not good. I was so excited because I was like, I remember rooting for him in the XFL. He's bad. He plays like he doesn't have a left eye. I mean, only throws to the right side, pressure on the left side, constantly getting sacked. He, he's rough. Yeah, the quality of quarterback play this year, besides the elite ones, has been rough for <laughs> several teams. Bad particularly in the NFC, but there's a few in the AFC that jump off the table too. But uh, college football is where you can kind of look because there are a lot of quarterbacks there that are going to be on the move to the NFL. Before we get to that, let's just talk about this CFP situation for a second because we actually haven't done an episode since then. Now, again, I think a lot of this is going to be resolved with the 12-team playoff format. I think it would be fine with eight, but I can live with 12. Any other NCAA sport 
you got multiple rounds of playoffs. You're not trying to get down to four teams. And to the people that are saying, oh, well, this just means everybody's going to be arguing about who's the 12th best team. Well, not necessarily. That's not as big of a deal because the 12th best team is not going to win the national championship. So there's not going to be as much drama with, you know, kicking out the number 14 team and having the number 13 team or the 12 team in like, but besides having to decide between the sec champion and an undefeated Florida state team, that's got a little more controversy with it. So I've always thought college football, college football has always had a bad format. Like back when they just used to just determine one bowl game as the national championship, just have the rankings decide it, or, you know, you got the BCS, which is just the top two teams. Then you try to extend it to four, but there's always controversy. And this year icing on the cake, of course, in the last season, the four team playoff. And I understand from a viewership perspective, because Florida state without Jordan Travis is not a top four team. They have not played to that level, but they still won 13 games. They were unbeaten. And you supposedly have these power five conferences. You're already blowing up a conference in the Pac-12. If a 13-0 and team that wins the ACC can't make the college football playoff, you're essentially killing that conference. I, I There are many teams, I think, in that situation that see that and want to get as far away from the ACC as possible because it's clearly not treated with any respect, regardless of who the quarterback is. If, like, it's so crazy. Like, I, I don't understand how they could leave out an undefeated team. Never, ever, ever have they done that. Like, I don't – it it really does not make sense to me. Whether they are a backup player, quarterback, that doesn't mean the rest of the team is bad. They're not on their second-string team, right? Keon Coleman is still out there. Johnny Wilson mm-hmm. is still there. Trey Benson is still playing running back. Like, they're not losing their entire team. It's not like a coach left, right? Um, If that happened to me, if that was Tech, if that was Virginia Tech and he left out – I don't know what I would do. I think Florida State fans handling it pretty well compared to what I would have done. If it was like 13-0 Tech and Kyron Drones gets hurt and they throw Grant Wells out there and they get left out of the playoffs, I, I don't even know what I would do. I would lose it. And then the thing that's even more ridiculous, because the CFP, their committee, are the same ones um, that have the whole uh, – they make the decision about who's in the New Year Six. And there's the one group of five team gets in. And then they picked Liberty over SMU because they said, hey, they were the undefeated team, even though they had the worst strength of schedule in FBS. Well, which which side are you taking it? They're like you're using two, this this criteria in opposite ways for your two major decisions. So it's it's out of control. And I mean, I think the 12 team format's gonna help, but some of the decisions just it's so unclear and they go so back and forth on multiple different things. And a lot of it's all for TV ratings too, because they're all spooked after they put in Cincinnati a couple years ago and they get blasted. They finally gave a team a shot after UCF got kept out multiple times when they were undefeated, but they put Cincinnati in and they lose immediately. And then they have the national championship last year and TCU gives up 65 points. So now they're so afraid and they see a year in college football where it seems like there's seven or eight teams who are legitimate title contenders. And I don't think any single one sticks out above the others and they want to maximize those games as much as possible. So even though a team goes undefeated and has a top four resume and a top four season, they don't make it in because their quarterback gets hurt. And again, the first time this playoff ever happened, there was a similar situation. The Buckeyes were down to Cardale Jones and they put them in as the four seed. And what happened? They went through and they won the national championship. So it's like 
this has only been around for 10 years and there's been so much hypocrisy. So I do feel bad for Florida state fans. And I agree with you. I think they've handled it pretty well. I think there's certain other fan bases. If Michigan or Ohio state was in this situation or if Bama was in this situation or even Texas, I I think this would have gone a different way. So it's ridiculous, but I really wonder what's going to happen. If FSU is going to try to get out of the ACC. It sounds like they are. It sounds like they're kind of creating that, over the summer, they had, I think it was eight teams. I think it was uh, Miami, FSU, Clemson, UNC, VT, UVA, NC State. And there's maybe Boston College, maybe yeah. BC. They were all trying to make an eight to break up the grant, the, the guaranteed rights agreement. But that, I guess, never happened. We haven't heard of that since, I think, July. So, But now, I guess they said that Clemson and FSU are headed to the Big Ten. That's the rumor right now. <laughs> Who knows? That stuff is just so that's even more messy than the playoff stuff. Oh, well, yeah, that's the overarching problem. And it's so ridiculous. I mean, the Pac-12 is just gone. Rutgers <laughs> is now in the same conference as USC starting next year. And football is not the only sport that goes on. There's every other college sport. Now you're going to have like soccer and lacrosse players that are going to have to travel across the country all the time. It's like even basketball, it makes no sense. It's just literally just for football because it's the money driver. But um, that's enough of that. Let's talk about the mock draft a little bit. I know you did one for our website a few weeks ago. I know things have changed as the college football season's gone on. I want to let's press pause on Caleb Williams and Drake May for a second. So neither of them were Heisman finalists. There were three quarterbacks who were, and they were all two uh, former transfers. Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix, Michael Penix. Daniels goes from ASU to LSU, Bo Nix, Auburn to Oregon, and has an incredible year with the Ducks. Um, and Michael Penix almost made the college football playoff with Indiana a few years ago and now does go to the CFP with Washington. Of those three, I know Jaden Daniels won the Heisman, had the best statistical year in college football, but college and NFL, two completely different games. Any of those three stand out to you the most as potential high-level NFL QB prospects? I level. I could see Daniels being a solid starter. Penix too, maybe. Like Penix, when you watch him, he kind of plays like rookie Josh Allen. He throws all over the place, and a lot of times they're good throws. But then there's a good thirty percent in there where they are the worst throw, worst duck you've seen in your life. I think Penix could be good with the right coaching. I, Bo Nix, I that dude, he's gonna be a third string like practice squad player. He's like 28 years old. I, I don't see anybody having high value for him. I could see maybe a start here and there, maybe a good backup, never like a big time, like full-time starter, leading teams to the playoff, Super Bowl run, none of that. Now, my question with Bo Nix, because I, I think about with Oregon a few years ago with Justin Herbert, who uh, similarly took a team that had decent expectations, not incredible and made them really good and put up some video game numbers at times what's the real difference you see between Herbert coming out of college and Bo Nix after this year really that offense I mean with Cristobal Oregon um, Herbert was throwing vertically a lot more he's throwing down to receivers Bo Nix kind of a check down merchant right like the way Dan Lanning has kind of put this Oregon offense together has been easy check downs to fast guys screen passes. Bo Nix has never really had to go downfield. And when he did at Auburn, he was bad. I know that's sec level competition and all that, but he was not good throwing the ball downfield. He's better using his legs and throwing down to the check down. Now, the other person who was a Heisman finalist was Maserati Marv, Marvin Harrison jr. And 
There's been some receivers who have been very much hyped up in the draft the last few years, and some of them have really panned out, like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Then you got, I mean, Devontae Smith is really good, but when he wins the Heisman as a wide receiver, you expect more. And it seems, I don't know, there are certain things with Marvin Harrison that really remind me of Devontae Smith when he was in college with Alabama. Is he really a generational receiver prospect? Because there's people, I mean, I, I was watching the Ohio State-Notre Dame game, and they're saying, oh, he's better. He'd be the wide receiver one on 75% of NFL teams right now. I think that's a little bit of an overstatement. I think he's really talented. But is he really worth all the hype that he's getting at this point? He's really good, but he's he's – his frame, he's kind of skinny. I could see him getting banged up, very similar to Devontae Smith, a lot of similar flaws coming out of Alabama. And I just don't think he's going to be, like, awesome. Like, the way that they describe him, like, he's going to have 2,000-yard seasons every year, straight out of college, like they describe him. I could see him kind of having an A.J. Green, maybe, career arc, where he's very, very good at high-level top 10, but I don't think he's going to be best receiver in the league. I his game just isn't really like that. He's more of a possession guy, jump ball. He's not someone in today's NFL. They're really like getting the ball in the hand of the receivers. He's not like that. He's not like a Debo or someone like that that can be shifty. He's not real shifty. He just kind of catches the ball and doesn't really do much after that. Not a big yak guy. So let's talk about those two quarterbacks that are getting really hyped up. Now, Drake May, I just – I hear a lot of Giants fans talking about him, and I think it's funny because, you know, white quarterback from a North Carolina school who's putting up a lot of numbers but doesn't get a lot of national recognition when it comes to college but then is a big draft prospect, feels like Daniel Jones all over again six years later. So I think Drake May has got more upside than Daniel Jones ever had, but what's your thoughts on him? He's really raw. I think next year, people – say he's like an immediate starter more so than Williams. I think he needs more time than Caleb. I think he's really raw. Some of his throws and just his decision-making, obviously he has 80-year-old Mac Brown on the sideline. 80-year-old Mac Brown looks like he's about to pass out every single play. Um, but I just don't think he's good. And again, Daniel Jones, I could kind of see him falling in that range. Like Daniel Jones is kind of stuck in that 10 to maybe 18 range in quarterback that's kind of where may kind of slides in is probably that 10 to 12 range. Not someone that's super great. He's really raw. He's going to need a lot of time. I think. So Caleb Williams. Now I have a lot of doubts about Caleb Williams. I think he's, I think he's a generational talent in terms of his ability to throw the football and the arm talent he's got. He, I mean, he can throw the ball further than just about anybody in college football. He's had some highlight reel plays over the last couple of years, first with Oklahoma, then following Lincoln Riley over to USC. But I think there's a lot of intangibles, and I think there's just a lot of off-the-field immaturity, I feel like, with Caleb Williams that could be a headache if he gets into the wrong franchise. And we don't really know who's going to end up drafting Caleb Williams. I mean, the Bears are going to end up with multiple high-level picks, but I mean, I assume Justin Fields, they might stick with him or they might trade that away and try to get a couple of picks. I don't know if they're necessarily a lock for a quarterback. Then you look at the Patriots as a possibility to be around that spot. The Cardinals, another team, Giants and Commanders a little bit behind that, but uh, Caleb Williams is going to be the number one prospect in this draft, but I just, I have my doubts about him, especially starting out despite how talented he might be. 
he scares me because I like him a lot. He's so talented, but he's so immature. He needs to go to someone like the Patriots. If he went to the Patriots and was under Bill Belichick, I, I think he'd be fine. But if he goes to Chicago, who if he goes to that front office, he's going to be so bad. Not on, not even on the field, off the field. He's going to be partying, and it's going to be rough. If he goes to Chicago, he he needs to go to a team that has a lot of structure and can kind of sit him down and be like, you need to chill out and be a quarterback and be the leader of this franchise. He can't go to somewhere that just lets him roam around free nilly-willy and go around party and be immature and go on social media and do a bunch of crap. He, he needs someone that can chill him out. Yeah, and I think the Patriots are probably the right situation for that. All the flack that Bill Belichick gets, and I know Mac Jones is not good anymore, but he goes into that situation, and immediately Bill Belichick has a situation where Mac Jones wins 10 games and makes it to the playoffs and, like it or not, ends up being a pro bowler. So, you know, I think that there's still something to be said there, and I still think Bill Belichick has some of the tank. I think that would be the best situation for Caleb Williams. Ethan, last thing. At this point, who would be the top five players on your big board? Because I know you got Marvin Harrison. You got these two quarterbacks. I knew Olu Fashanu. I saw him play a few weeks ago. He's definitely elite as an offensive lineman for Penn State. There's a few defensive players in the mix as well. Um, if you had to narrow it down to five players right now that you think are the top five prospects, who would they be? So number one, Brock Bowers. I mean, that guy, he is versatile. I know everything that we said about Kyle Pitts, that and more, right? I think he's a better blocker than Pitts. I think he has a better frame for a tight end than Pitts. I, he's going to be someone that day one is going to be very impactful for NFL offense. Him, Caleb, probably number two. Number three, I really like Adunze out of Washington, the receiver. He's really good. First how he reminds me a lot of that Debo-style receiver. You get the ball in his hands and he'll be gone. Um... I like Dallas uh, Dallas Turner out of Alabama. I think he's getting really underrated. I think he's probably not as good a prospect as Will Anderson last year, but he's not that far off. I mean, for the PFF board, I think he's like 25 on their board. He should definitely be higher. He's he's going to be a top five pick. And then I think you got to throw Harrison in there. I think Harrison is still a top five player in the draft. Good stuff. We'll follow along as the season goes on for the NFL college football, college football playoff happening in three weeks time. NFL still with four weeks to go. Ethan Hoffman, thanks for joining us here on Sportspeak. Thank you. That'll do it here for episode 157. Next episode, Tim Moore, Zoe Alter, will be breaking down Major League Baseball free agency, the NBA in-season tournament. Probably a little about the Detroit Lions, too. So stick with us for that one next time. I'm Eddie Kalegi signing off here on Sports Speak Live. We'll talk to you next time.